Pandora's box is about to open wide. Welcome, everybody, yet again to Pandora's Ooh, box. Like <laughs> if you've never tuned in Pandora's box before, this is the show where we talk about a a plethora <clears throat> of subjects every week. Um, sometimes it could be historical, could be sort of science based, could just be really silly. Yeah. But either way, we try and keep it sort of fun and lighthearted and sort of um, bring some interesting information to you all. Um, do you guys know where Caledonia is? Does that mean anything to you? Not Italy. Yeah, I was going to say Italy for some reason. No, it couldn't be further from Italy, really. really. No. Wow. Take, literally doesn't ring a bell to you at all. I expect you both have heard it at some point in your lives. Yeah, yeah probably. You definitely would have done a lot. because I, yeah. I, I Is it South American? My old man definitely would have talked about it in the past on shows that you would have sat in it. Caledonia. Caledonia is basically always like the old name for Scotland. Oh. It wasn't like strictly cool. um, like the border that we would know it today because obviously that was sort of, uh, you know, that was made later on as mm. it is today. But yeah, Scott, what's, um, the Romans used to call what is modern day Scotland uh, Caledonia. Mm. Um, I think we've we talked about before about how... Um, but, you know, the Romans invaded uh, Britannia and they were almost like, even though they were such a dominant force, the Romans were quite, like, almost literally, like, scared of the idea of invading Britain because they had almost, like, legends saying that it was, like, this, mm. this like, mm. terrifying place of, like, monsters. And they even thought that, like, um, the English okay. Channel was, like, guarded by, like, giant sea monsters mm. and stuff like that. Um, and obviously, in a, from a lot of accounts... Um, you know, they were sort of testing the waters when they first arrived to Britannia and obviously were very relieved to find out, obviously, that it wasn't quite as bad as, as they thought it was. But what I think is really intriguing is that there are some historical accounts that do actually almost like border on the supernatural. Whoa. Which, um, and like literally written testimonials. So these are like, you know, pieces of um, scripture found by centurions mm. Um, that literally, like, say, like, disappeared in modern-day Scotland and then were found by other Romans and taken back to Rome to report to, like, the emperor. That's so cool. Um, so I'm going to read you. I thought this was absolutely fascinating. This is literally a first-hand account, a piece... Um, this was a scrap of papyrus um, that was found in Caledonia that was written by centurion Titus Ursus mm. of the Ninth Legion. So he wrote... This will probably be the last papyrus entry in my diary. Our legion was ambushed in the wild realm called Caledonian Forest and was almost completely annihilated. Half of my first cohort is all that was left of the Ninth Legion. We were pushed into the marshes and we will probably die here, fighting bravely to the end in the name of Rome and our emperor. We were attacked by a demonic pack of barbaric picks that looked more like wild beasts than humans. Some of them were dressed in animal furs, painted with strange runic symbols. Others seemed to be two-legged beasts. They tore us apart as if we were made of paper. I saw our legatus and my brothers in arms being eaten alive. I will never forget their screams. The barbarians attacked us unnoticed, quickly and with wild fury, before disappearing into the thick fog. They would come at night. Our shields, swords and armour were no use here. The enemy we face seems to be the ancient wrath of some dark gods that we have awakened. We should have never invaded these lands. I can hear demonic howls at all, at all times. They are coming. They are coming. Oh Whoa, my God. <laughs> that's then, crazy. And then it goes on to say that the scrap of papyrus written by centurion Titus Ursus was found in October 120 AD in the Caledonian forest. It was then taken to Rome where it was presented to the emperor and then swiftly 
and, and it was made a copy of, but then the original was burnt. And it says two years later, basically partly because of this incident and because of other incidents as well, two years later, en- Emperor Hadrian ordered the construction of the wall on the border of the land called Caledonia in North Britannia mm. to keep like these sort of people out, basically. Whoa. But I just like think that's like so crazy how almost like you can imagine imagine being almost like a Roman soldier in like yeah in like North Scotland or just in you know and just yeah there's just thick fog surrounding you and um, these Pictish people are obviously almost like so animalistic. What does that mean, Pictish? It's just like the type of people that lived right, there. Right, so right, if, so yeah. if, the, if the Romans were the Romans, the Picts were the Picts. Right, it was right, just the right. people that lived in Scotland. But cool, we called them the Picts right. the same way that the Vikings are the Vikings, the mm-hmm. Saxons are the Saxons. Um, yeah, so the the Picts were almost just like such like almost like a savage and animalistic people, and just like yeah, covered in runes and these animal things, and just like howling and Whoa. and almost, and by the sounds of his accounts, I don't know if almost like he was just suffering from hysteria or what. But like, he was saying that his like the men when they were attacked were like being like eaten alive and stuff like that. But that's like yeah. that's like a level of savagery, isn't it? Which is like crazy. Mm. That makes the Vikings look like toddlers. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It makes it seem that they really played on the the fact like you know how they would dress and like mm. completely get com- mm. like, adorned in like heads and mm. oh, just look crazy. I remember when I read that like a couple of days ago and I was like I was like, man, that is actually like an amazing yeah, account. Yeah, that's so mm. cool. That's it's, like something out of a horror movie. I was, I was literally just about to say that's like something mm. from a movie, isn't it? Do you know that reminds me of a little bit? Um, had the, I, I expect you have, Drew. Have either of you seen um, that movie with Antonio Banderas called The Thirteenth Warrior? Oh, yes. And that's, that's actually, so good. That's actually based not not. I don't think the majority of the movie is, but the the sort of the bare facts are actually also based on the historical account. Um, and basically in the movie, it's quite hilarious really, because isn't, isn't Antonio Banderas, he's either Spanish or Mexican, yeah. isn't he? I think he's Spanish. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, obviously not like a Middle Easterner. Mm-hmm. He's not an Arab. But um, I guess in the 90s, the logic was like, if you're a bit tanned, you can play an Arab. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Which is kind of passes to, to, be fair, in the, in the to be fair, in the movie, yeah. yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I yeah. guess it's like, you know, um, it's certainly not like as weird as if suddenly just like I played an Arab. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I love this bit in that movie. I think it's that movie where he's just sitting at the edge for age and he's just like watching them all, and they were like, oh, oh, and he learns Viking. Yeah, and he learns, and he literally, and, but he, learns and, old he, Norse, and yeah. he just, he just like, he just replies to one, and then like, they're like, how do you know my language? He's like, I listen. Yeah, he says it, like, he says it really intensely. So he's like, I listened. Yeah, <laughs> because he realised. Yeah, he's like listening to them, and he, the whole thing is that. In those days, like the um, in the sort of the Arab world, they were like really amazing scholars and scientists mm-hmm. and mathematicians and stuff. And obviously, uh, sort of all the Vikings in, in those times, sort of they, none of none of them could could uh, read or write. Mm. You know, well some of them, you know, they they had like you runes. know could do runes and stuff like that, mm. but they, they couldn't like the, if they say they went to say like England when they were invading, they could not read anything. Mm. Do you know what I mean they could not read any of the scriptures or anything like that? Um, Whereas obviously in the Arab world they had really really like amazing poetry and academia and mm. stuff like that, so um, yeah it's really interesting. It's almost like and, and as I said this is actually a true account. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I think his name was like Ibn Al Fahad or something like that. But and it's it, this was a true story as well. And it was like he basically encountered some some Vikings that had travelled all the way down to it might have been near Constantinople or something right. like that. And he I can't remember if he asked them if he could have joined them or if he was like told to by one of his like superiors or something. But anyway, he joined them on this quest, on this, on this um, voyage. And they called the Vikings in that reason, the region, they called him the Rus. And mm. Rus meant Northman. And the, 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 the Vikings essentially that settled in that region just north of, of um, sort of like the Arab world. 
um, ended up being called Russians, which is what Russian people oh, are today. Whoa, that's crazy. So obviously you see like Russian people, mm. you know, and they look basically like Northern European, a lot mm. of them. And that's because they almost like essentially are. If you go back far enough, mm. and if you even think about things like names like Ivan or and things like that, they're mm. almost like bastardizations of name more like Ivor. Or yeah. stuff like that, yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Whereas like Ivan's almost like the Russian version. It's really um, good um, in, in the Viking series when... Um, he uh, travels to Russia yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Who, who, well, Kiev, one? I think, which is which is actually Ukraine, but yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And that was really interesting seeing the whole because they brought in the whole Russian Viking thing, like mm-hmm. in that, it was cool. Yeah, they'd obviously by that po- even by that point, Iver, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. By that point, they do almost like even develop their own sort of unique culture, in, and um, as sort of it shows in the Vikings program, they sort of converted to Christianity a lot mm. earlier than mm-hmm. than the sort of the, the ones that stayed in Scandinavia or moved over right. to, to to England and stuff like that. And they had like you know their own sort of specific types of, of armor and stuff like that. But yeah, we're essentially the same people by blood. But yeah, the, getting back to my point. So this Ibn Al Fahad or whatever, he joins the Vikings, and there's this old Arab scriptures which are like his accounts of basically. I can't. I don't know how how long he spent with them. I think it was at least a few months. It might have been as much as like a year. But he basically spent time with these people, and it's really fascinating because mm. you know how we've talked about before, like how the world would just be like seem like such a bigger place back in those days. Mm-hmm. I think he'd never met these people before. And I, I remember, because I have read the, the accounts, it goes on about how, like, compared to, like, the Arabs of the time, they all seemed, like, such, like, tall... They all seemed so tall and broad mm-hmm. and had, like, massive swords and everything. And But there were, like, certain things about them that he thought that they were almost just, like, barbaric and gross. So, um, you know, he was, like... You know, they would all just get, get like, completely drunk mm. every single night. And he mm. was, like, saying, like... Passing around the spit thing as well. Yeah, so, so they... spit in the bowl and in wash the, their face. In the morning. in the bowl and wash their face, like... Yeah, know. that would happen in the morning. So in the morning, they'd have, like, a big bowl that they would pass around. And they would all, like, wash their faces and stuff in the That's same... That's crazy. So, like, to, to, to <laughs> oh um, an Arab at the time, who was about as civilised as anybody in the modern world could have been, that was almost, like, just gross. Well, it would be to us. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it would be gross yeah, yeah. to us. And it would, like... It was a similar thing. And he couldn't believe it as well because... um Obviously, uh, very much still t- today as well, you know, like if you go to Saudi Arabia and stuff, I think um, like even like public displays of affection are still considered very taboo. Mm. I don't even think you can hold hand with your, hold your missus hand walking down the road, can you? No, in certain places, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's, That's how strict they take it. And, mm. and very much um, we, we, by comparison, uh, are almost like, even today, really like fit, like pretty hedonistic. Mm. I'm sure they would see us like that, but especially back in those days, the North Europeans would have been like completely hedonistic compared to them. And in his accounts, he says he cannot believe it because like at night there would be men like openly having sex with women like in public. Mm. <laughs> like you know, it would be like they would start drinking ale and mead or stuff, and then they would literally like be in the corner of the tent like humping, mm. and he would just be like, "How is this happening?" Like in in uh, in the Arab Sounds world, like a party man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But in, in the Arab world, that would just not be okay. Yeah. That would be like something. Even in those days, that was like for the marital bed, mm. like for the marital chamber, and like women were not allowed to have have sex outside of marriage. Mm. That would be like a condemnable offense. That's crazy. But it's fascinating how obviously like you know like he just almost like as a fly on the wall. Yeah. Just, uh, just, uh, it just became sort of part of this journey. As I said, you can read the real account, um, but in the movie, The 13th Warrior, obviously they sort of dramatize it and it's really fascinating. So the guy, mm. Ibn Al-Falad, is played by Antonio Banderas and they go to this place and sort of linking back to what I was saying, what remind, why the Caledonian Forest incident reminds me of the movie was because in that movie, it's almost like the Vikings are dealing with what they think are like these like supernatural beings mm. that only attack them at night and they all wear like bare... Like uh, mm, like yeah. heads like Beth first and right. they they think they're like demons. That's like a cool movie. And they only. Yeah, I want to watch it tonight. I need to oh, check it out. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing movie. Yeah, I would so I would good. go as far to say as it's in like my top ten movies of all Whoa, time. Yeah. I need to check it out, man. Yeah, I yeah. Need to watch it. 
It's intense, man. It's an intense movie. Um, there's one of the actors in it as well as in Game of Thrones. All right, cool. Um, but like a lot younger. This is, I mean, the movie's not an old movie. It's probably like late 90s. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, it's, it's, it holds up still today. Yeah, do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It's not like it's like, oh my God, it's like so old that some people <laughs> would find it hard mm. to, to sort of enjoy it. Because um, I know that some people are a bit like, yeah, a bit sensitive mm. for those sort of things. But um, yeah, it's an amazing movie. It's like these things only, they only attack when there's like, when like the fog is thick and stuff like that. And they think they're demons and stuff. Like the majority of the movie, they think they're demons. And it's, mm. it reminds me very much of, of what was described in this account, which I just think is really fascinating. But yeah, so there's a bit of trivia for you, everyone. So that not only is that that fascinating firsthand account from mm. the centurion um, Titus, uh, but also you found out that Scotland used to be called Caledonia. Mm. So that's just an interesting fact in itself, isn't it? And that's one of the reasons why... They built Hadrian's Wall was to keep out these almost like crazy, mm. Pictish people. It's it crazy to think that Vikings would have been scared of something else. Like, have either of you watched The Norseman? Or uh, it might be The Norseman, no, actually. No, I haven't. Yeah, no, I haven't. It's really good. Uh, I think it's by Robert Eggers, the uh, the movie. I think he directed it. Does he egg people? He, uh, probably. Yeah. Probably. Oh, the movie. Yeah, mm. I have seen that. That's mm. awesome, yeah. The one, and that's the one where I always think they showcase like the bloodlust. Yeah. Of like Viking people so mm. so well, like you know the you know the scene where they launch an attack on like a village, mm. and they all come in, they're all wearing like fox heads, or mm. is it no, it's like wolf heads, I think, mm. and they just do this like ritual before where everyone's like dancing in blood and everything just to get ready for this huge battle, and then they just go in and just like mm. roll over people. It's not even like anyone had a chance against them, mm. and I find that so crazy that they could have this like such intense bloodlust that no one could handle it. You know, it was just well, straight up. Yeah, they yeah. would just roll through people. It's crazy. Well, I think almost like, almost like the downside of becoming like civilized, if you want to call it a downside, like obviously by the time that, because I said, as we talked about before, the Vikings and the Saxons were almost like, you could almost essentially say they were like the same people mm. originally. Like say in like, you know, like 100 AD, they mm. would have been. But by the time, obviously, the Saxons had fully, the Anglo-Saxons had fully settled in, in, in uh, the UK and established their kingdoms in, in modern day England and stuff, like they, because of what we talked about, you know, their links to Rome and everything like that, they'd become, you know, they'd all, they'd all become Christians, you know, um, so they were God-fearing people, they would all go to church and, you know, they'd established that sort of Christian way of life mm. and, you know, all the kings and the priests obviously would like read on a regular basis and stuff like that, but obviously... The more civilized you become, the more like these barbaric, well, these like Viking people, they were so like in tune with the land. Mm. And obviously they were pagans still. So like, you know, for better or for worse, although it is, it do, it is, does seem barbaric, you know, you know, certain festivals of theirs and that, you know, they would have like sacrifices, like mm. human sacrifices, as well as animal sacrifices, you know, um, very sort of in tune with the land. Um, and, you know, things like, you know, whether it was like almost like sex or violence were just very much more just like a normal part of everyday life, mm. you know, to them. So, yeah, I guess suddenly by the time they in, they invaded the UK, it was a bit like, whoa. Mm. One thing I would be really interested to know, and it's almost like lost to history, is um, I know that by the time the Vikings um, sort of in, invaded, um, you know, the sort of like most of Scotland would have been christian as well but i think in sort of like the i think i'm right in saying in like sort of like the remote parts of the highlands and stuff there probably would have been like um some like illiterate uh sort of scottish tribes still and i reckon there's a, we know for a hundred percent for sure that like vikings would have landed there but there's not as there's nowhere near as many written testimonials about it because obviously a lot of the the written testimonials from the saxons were like from priests and stuff mm -hmm. who obviously could read and write mm. but obviously if you can't read and write you can't record your thing mm. so 
I bet there were being some fierce clashes between some of the Highlanders yeah. and the Scottish. Imagine landing on like the north coast of Scotland and think. I know. I know it was almost like almost a thousand years later, mm. but the people that the Vikings would have landed would have been like the descendants of the people that we were reading mm. about in that account. Mm. The descendants of those picks with like. I wonder how they dressed then. Like this, you know, some mm. of those like almost like more isolated Scottish Highland tribes and what their attitudes towards the um, yeah. Vikings were, because they would have been more different than the Vikings than the Saxons would have been. Mm. Because mm. we know we know from sort of, well, there is, we still know what the old English language w- was, and we know what the old Norse language was, and we know that they're very similar. So we know that, like, um, you know, the, Nor- the old Norse and the old, you know, the Saxon people, they, they would have been able to, like, communicate. communicate yeah. to a bit. Whereas, say, like, I think the... Uh, the people say that are living in these remote Scottish tribes would have mm. found it a lot hard, more hard. Because mm. you know, essentially, obviously, what we now know is almost like Gaelic. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that ha- that would have if you didn't know Old English or Old Norse, which were like very related languages. If someone started talking to you in Gaelic, you wouldn't have a freaking clue what they were saying. Yeah. Would you? Mm. I mean, we don't. Yeah. I mean, if you see like a Gaelic sign, if you go to like Ireland or Scotland or mm. the Isle of Man or something, and you see something in Gaelic. You don't have a clue what that no, means. No clue. It's like very alien language, isn't it? It's, mm. it's usually their words are very, very long, and it's like the way their words are set up are like very, very strange. There's like mm. T's and G's all over the place and stuff like that, and it's like target garden again. It's crazy. We know so much about like the Vikings and all of the the history of those people, but like the picks, like that sounds so interesting. Like mm. to to go deep into that, like what their culture would have been like, what these. In, even in that count of, of that the Roman mm. account, he was saying like it seemed like they were in tune with the old like like old forgotten gods and forces. oh he says like yeah, so, he yeah whatever that, that he was, thought they'd yeah. angered some like dark old gods he, and brought this he, wrath upon them like, yeah like like to be completely steeped in all of that mm. like mm-hmm. culture and and magic almost mm. of that time like we don't know anything about those people really no, like because no. of all what you were saying then about the language and everything as well it would be so detached. From, from it all so it'd be so interesting to like I'm thinking like how much I enjoyed like the Viking series and that mm. if there was something that was like mm. deeply in that almost in that, like the like, story those, of, of that Roman legion yeah. and almost like oh, it sta- yeah. imagine yeah. if it started with that with Centurion Titus and he was like literally in Rome and you're looking around everyone's eating olives and and like fresh fish out of the freaking Mediterranean Sea and they're all talking about and like talk, talking about going to the theatre and the Colosseum and everything and it's almost like life is good and then he just gets his instructions, like you're going like to the far north of, of um, Britannia to the lands of Caledonia, and you basically you need to like you know fortify it or whatever, like mm. settle it for the Roman people. And he's like, okay, um, I think you've never been there before. And then imagine how cool that story would be, like you're traveling all the way up through Europe. And let's face it, you know, whichever way you went, you know, if you went up through Sp- through France or whatever, you know, southern France is very much basically very very similar to, to, to northern Italy. And then you know, I've traveled all the way through, and then this almost like creepy voyage over the English Channel. Mm. And then suddenly you're in this alien land, and the further north you it's go, it's definitely a series in it, isn't it? Oh, it'd be oh man. so cool! <laughs> and almost so like, and cool. almost like the further north you get, the more almost like crazy and barbaric the people mm. seem. Mm. And there's just like thing in the Mediterranean, they hardly even ever have things like fog. Mm. So imagine like, you look around; it's almost like when when you're in the Mediterranean, I always think at all times the sky is almost like a bit amber. Do you know what I mean? Like everything mm. seems a bit amber, and the color scheme is very much like orange and sort of like um, like auburn and yellows and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Or um, very much in Italy anyway, in Greece, maybe a little few more like whites and things like that because there's got like lots of white sandy beaches and stuff. But I very much associate those sort of colours in my head mm. and then think they would have gotten to Britain and it would have been like dark and grey. Mm. And it would have been like dark, muddy gr- cold. Like, grass and like, yeah. cold and everything would have had, all their armour would have had like condensation on it and they'd have been able to see their breath. 
and the further oh. north you got, just the colder it got. And imagine just being like, imagine if you'd never experienced it before. As I said, you grew up in Rome, which was at the time probably the most civilized place on the, on, in the, in the world. Mm. And then you're in this place, and there's like no big settlements. There's just literally you look around you, and like as anything further than ten foot away, you just can't even see because it's that thick with fog. Mm-hmm. Mate, that'd be epic. Mm. 100%. But but creepy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like it'd be epic for us to watch it as a series. But if yeah. you're one of those soldiers. You would be like, whoa. Imagine if they did it as well, like from the perspective of the Romans and had like a full storyline in that, but then also like equally the picks, the picks like, but, but a main storyline of like one of the main characters of the picks or something. Mm. And it just being like, so you actually get to see mm. what the, mm. like a depiction of that culture and stuff like from their perspective as well. Because I always find it's it's generally like one sided with a storyline sometimes, yeah. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but yeah. like, I can imagine how cool that would be if like, it made you really invested in their story well, and also yeah. in the Romans, and then they have this huge battle. Well, to be oh, fair to the so Picts, cool. they weren't invading anybody. No, mm. exactly. As as the Picts so, were concerned, imagine that. Yeah. Imagine what it. it'd be yeah. like for them, it's steeped in all of their magic and that, to just be like, who are these like crazy people like that, that are like dressed Completely up as different. like, mm. as like, like robots almost? Yeah. They might look like yeah, well, probably. probably you know, did. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I know what you mean. Like all these like all this like steel, steel armor dragons. and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and almost like the way that they would have probably seen almost like creepy the way that they were all walking in formation and stuff, mm. just like a modern day army. Do you mm. know what I mean they're not just like walking about like you know mm. all of the Pictish like tribes? It would have been almost like you know. Um, a lot more like just barbaric and violent yeah. and, and tribal and almost like hit and run and almost like stealthy and stuff like that. Whereas then, you know, the Romans just almost like marching in formation and mm. stuff like with all of their, all with the same armor and everything. It would have seemed mental to them. They would probably thought like, yeah, it'd be interesting to know like what they made of it. Like, did they think that, that like, who did they think the Romans were? Yeah. Mm. Because I, they obviously were in, probably had interacted with other people in Britannia before. Do you know I mean, people from the South, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they almost had this unwritten rule after a while, like, look, you stay to your borders mm. and we'll stay to ours, mm. you know? Cause... Did they know what boats were and stuff? Like, had they seen those kind of things? I, you know I, I mean? expect so. Mm. I don't know. I don't know for sure. I, expect, I mean, I think I think that they mountains. probably would have had like primitive boats. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But not not like seafaring boats. Mm. That would be like my best guess. Like for the for the time, I don't think they would have had like seafaring boats. But they would have probably had like fishing boats. Mm. Do you mm. know what I mean boats that you can go out into the middle of a lake mm. and fish and stuff like that? You know, like throw some nets and things like that. Go crabbing. I can picture yeah. like a really cool scene where like the the Romans have just been like attacked by these people and the fogs all come and they've like half their battalion has In been like fog. torn apart mm. and then you just have this really cool moment where the guy that uh, reading that you just read mm. gets read out like word for word mm. at, right before like the final stand against yeah. these like crazy people in the forest. Yeah, that'd be mm-hmm. mad. That'd be a really cool scene. It'd almost be like cool, even though it'd be really frustrating if they almost like did it was like a one-off series and then just ended off with like that was the and then they just left it off with a cliffhanger. Yeah, mm-hmm. like right in that, and then oh. he just suddenly hears like Arr! or whatever because he mm-hmm. said he could hear like howls, like demonic howls and stuff. And then he just almost looks up and he's like, <sighs> and then just cuts and to black. There's oh. any Prime or Netflix producers listening? <laughs> yeah, make mm. it happen. We're just like I'm selling this, man. Yeah, yeah. selling this. I'm invested. Yeah, I'm yeah. invested. I also think it'd be mad to think about um, as well, like uh, like the whole Neanderthal thing as well mm. and, and the interaction between Neanderthal and human. Mm. And um, if if the Neanderthals would actually ever band together, whether they were kind of like clever enough yeah. to like mm. band together in, in like armies and stuff and have battles against against yeah. humans. Just, just to say, I think that Neanderthals were technically classed as like a type of human. Mm. I think they were. Interesting. Yeah. I think so. It's like, you know, you'd have like certain things that would class as human, but... I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that, but then obviously we are like more specifically Homo erectus and they were like Neanderthals, yeah. Would they have had like similar languages so they could have communicated <laughs> with each other? 
Um, I, I, well, we know that they did communicate to an extent. Obviously, well, they definitely mated with each other. Yeah, so. yeah true. They say that, like, true, they true. Say that, like <laughs> people in Northern Europe have as much as like four percent Neanderthal DNA. Mm. So that's like we know for a fact that there would have been. Like, I mean, four percent might not sound like much, but considering how long, how many, how many, crazy. how long ago it was, and how many mm. people are in the world, really, it was probably actually like almost common. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Do you, I mean, like not not like. Not like super common. It's like, what was that interaction like? Was yeah. it all? Was was there any amicability? And did like did the tribes get on with other? Like, did Do they live I, together or mm, anything like I that? I don't think it, it. I don't think it would have been that much different than people today. Mm. Even mm. though everybody alive today is Homo um, sapien, right? Regardless of your skin color, where you live in the world, um, I think the same way that there are small genetic differences in humans today. Um, you know, and we know that like certain parts of of the world, people some people have like some Denisovan um, mm. DNA, you know, and, and and things like that. Um, I think that it wouldn't have really been that much different. I don't think that because they wouldn't have been looking at it in a scientific way. Like I am a Homo sapien, and you're an yeah, animal. Yeah, yeah, I think they would have seen it like there are all these animals in the world, and then there are these people that basically look like humans. They don't look a hundred percent like us, mm. but they're wearing clothes. They walk around on feet. They also have spears. They can also make fires, and they're also communicating. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, would it so really it, be any it different? Not, was it not the humans or like the Homo erectus that um, that wiped out the Neanderthals? You mean or Homo sapiens? Homo sapiens. Sorry, Homo erectus was the first hominid that stood upright. Mm. That's why it's called erectus, mm. baby, <laughs> because it just means upright ape. That's yeah. what it means, like mm. upright ape. Not to be confused with upright penis. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, we well no we, it's sort of like a bit of a mystery why yeah. the died mm. out yeah a lot of people uh, the thing is a lot of it is like speculation yeah mm. Graham you know? Graham Hancock speculates that it was yeah. like through fighting with like um things but um yeah owning his books and stuff you know? I know uh, there was this one crazy book I can't remember who wrote it and it's been pretty much dismissed I think it was this guy who almost like it was essentially like I think I think how most sort of um anthropologists almost like think about it is that the, the guy that wrote this book, I can't remember his name, almost essentially wrote like a, a fictional novel, but then almost like got so excited about his fictional novel, he almost tried to sell it as, as fact. Right, right, and in right. his book, he wrote about the Neanderthals. Like he almost tried to like sell, this was like his hypothesis, mm. but it basically has like very little scientific grounds, was that he tried to write it that the Neanderthals were actually were, were almost like monsters. Mm. In his book, he essentially says that the Neanderthals were like monsters. And like, imagine like a horror movie mm. where like monsters are after you. And that's what it would have been like for Homo sapiens living around the Neanderthals. <laughs> and he tried to write in his book that he thought that like the Neanderthals ate us and stuff like that. And in his book, there's like brutal, like almost like horrible pictures that he drew of what he just perceived Neanderthals to look like. And it looks terrifying, man. Um, I'm just going to try and type in um, um, for people that are like watching on YouTube and mm. Spotify. Um... I'm going to see if I can get up like a picture of a Neanderthal drawing. Um, yeah, I th this is the F1 from the book, I think. So this one here. Yeah, so this is this guy's hypothesis. Like, look how it almost looks, almost looks like something from a horror movie. Um, so this is a... Neanderthals hunted, raped, and ate humans. And this is like what... He <laughs> but like, I think pretty much all other anthropologi anthropologists say like... Nah. We pretty much know that Neanderthals didn't really look like that. Like it, you know, if, if you can think of like They've how reconstructed faces, haven't they, and everything? But... And obviously, the famous thing that we've also showed before on Pandora's box of the one, two, three. Yeah, that was just legendary. That is. Uh... But um, yeah, I think yeah, this seems to be the guy, the Australian independent scholar Danny 
Benjamini, has developed a Neanderthal predation theory which argues that the evolution of modern humans, including our unique physiology, sexuality, and human nature, is the result of a reaction to this systemic, long-term sexual predation and cannibalism by Eurasian Neanderthals. <laughs> That's a scary prospect, isn't it? Yeah, but as I said, I think like most other like people were just almost like... It's almost, as I said, it's yeah. almost like he's written a fictional story and he's like, no, it's real. Mm. Yeah. And it's, but it's like, mate, where's the, where's the full evidence for this? I think he tried to base it on, I can't remember 100%, so I, I might even just be like, my brain might just be like just telling me that this is the case. I think he tried to say in one of his books or something, or he got really excited once because there was <laughs> like the remains of like a Homo sapiens skull in like a Neanderthal sort of burial ground that looked like it had like scrapings on the inside of the skull that would look like it the brains had been scooped out with a tool mm. or something like that which would almost like imply maybe that like they'd, they eat in, they'd eaten the freaking homo sapiens brains mm. um but i can't remember if it turned out that that was just it turned out that it was like false or it was made up or what but Look, this is what they think more like a Neanderthal would look like. To me, yeah. I almost like see it like they don't look too different. Like if he had a bigger beard, it would almost look like how the dwarves are portrayed in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You know? Like they wouldn't have been quite as short as the dwarves in Lord of the Rings. That but looks you know, pretty mad. The top left one. That looks pretty mad. Yeah, I don't think they would have looked no. like that. That looks more like I think that's more like how Homer Erectus would have looked. Mm. From what I re- from sort of like what I've seen in the past. Because obviously Homer Erectus, where it was the first upright ape, it um did look more primitive. So like crazy. more ape like. So the funny thing is, though, and I don't mean this as like an insult to anybody, you know, sometimes you might see somebody around and you think there's something about them just looks more like a monkey than, <laughs> you know, like some people look like very almost like evolved <laughs> and other people just look a bit like a monkey. My dad, when he sat down and bent over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember we're like our old really good friend, Luke Palmer, shout out Luke Palmer. I've been chatting to him a bit recently, actually, because um, he's really into his rugby nowadays. And obviously it was just the Rugby World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I remember when I was, when we were younger and when we were in primary school. One of the things I used to always say to him was, that I used to I called him like little like little monkey or something <laughs> like that, or like little monkey man or something. I've got like that. monkey vibes going for me, I reckon, like chimpish. When you like <laughs> eat sometimes and that, and you're in a bit of a daydream, yeah, but like, <laughs> yeah. Or if I eat fruit, I'm literally like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can get, I get anything with a pip, just put it all in my mouth. Yeah, just yeah. Get the pip out. <laughs> yeah, I think like nowadays, like someone's like what this article is implying. I think people. I mainly think that the, the Neanderthals were actually like very, very similar to us, essentially. Mm. They actually had slightly larger brains than us. It doesn't mean that yeah. they were more intelligent than us, not necessarily, yeah. but they actually had slightly larger brains than us um, for a start. And yeah, they don't really think that they would have been that dis- you know, dissimilar. And, and, and like, yeah, you know, I'm sure it wouldn't have been a walk in the park. I'm sure if we went back in a time machine and it would have been extremely dangerous to walk up to a tribe of Neanderthals, but... Mm-hmm. It would be extremely dangerous to walk up to a tribe so of people in the Amazon yeah. forest yeah, yeah, yeah. because they would be thinking it as like, who the hell is this guy? He looks mental. Mm. We've never seen anything like him. And why the hell is he approaching us? And mm. to a lot of these nomadic tribes, like we see it in the tribes of nomadic tribes of, of the Amazon, they basically shoot first and ask questions later. Yeah. There's lots of famous stories of like helicopters flying over the Amazon. And then they'll hear, they'll hear like, dum, dum, on the bottom yeah, of the yeah. And they'll look down and there'll be the, these indigenous people firing their arrows at them. Mm. It's like, bro, we ain't got any beef for you, man. Mm. But to them, I guess it's just like a fear thing. It's like, when you're living that much of a wild life, it's like, if you see something you don't understand, although it might sound almost like overly destructive to us, 
it's almost like it's not worth the risk that that thing might kill you. So yeah. you should kill yeah, yeah, it first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Do you know what yeah, I mean? Sure. It's as simple as that. It's, it's as a simple survival. as that. Survival. There's that. There's that story, isn't there, about that like missionary, that Christian missionary. Oh yeah. yeah. And and um, all the people, mm. like everybody warned him, don't like, mate, don't it. don't do this. Do not do this. Um, and he was like, mate, I'm going to go to the Amazon. I'm going to find these indigenous tribes, and I'm going to convert them all to Christianity. And that's going to be like, this is going to be like my my my, my life work. mission. Yeah. yeah, my mission in life, like, and. Um, he got on this boat and they even watched him row the boat out to the shore and immediately these tribes came out of the forest. There was literally about 20 seconds of interaction. The guy started running and then they all shot him with their arrows and mm. they literally, the people that told him not to do it were literally just watching him from about 50 feet away, just watching him just like dead on the yeah. shore and we're like, mate. And it was like, so freaking silly. told you not mm. to do it. Yeah. You know? yeah. There's also that story that we told before on the pod and it was almost like a, a real mystery but it was... um. One of the Roosevelts, I can't remember his first name now. Oh, yes. Roosevelt's obviously a very well-known, yes, powerful, powerful family in, in, in America. Yeah, that guy that... Oh, yeah, I remember that one, yeah. He's disapp- named Franklin. I don't know why that's just popping Franklin, into my head. Franklin Roosevelt. Uh, I don't know why that's popping into my head, but... I don't think it was. Franklin Roosevelt was the, was the 32nd US president. He was oh, the... That's yeah. probably why. He, he, was, he was the president of, Amer- of uh, America during World War II. Was it, was it not Rockefeller? It was Rockefeller. Rockefeller. Yeah. You are right, mate. Yeah. I was, yeah, you are so right. Um, it was a, one of the Rockefellers who were one of the very, very sort of powerful um, American families. Mm. And he disappeared in the Amazon. And then it basically came to pass... That he was eaten by a cannibalistic tribe mm. of yeah. Amazonian people, and apparently, he, like, I think they might have even found his like skeleton, like hung up in this oh tribe, and it was like, oh man. Rock Wasn't there something about Amazon. a child in that as well? Like he was gonna get, he was gonna go and get one of the children or something. Or oh, I can't remember. I can't, right, it was weird. Yeah, I can't remember. I remember there was a weird bit about it. Anyway. Mm. What was his name? I want to find out his name. Um, Rockefeller Amazon disappearance. Yeah, Rockefeller disappeared. Yeah, I was an idea. Uh, where's his first name? Michael Rockefeller. Michael Rockefeller. Was Michael Rockefeller ever found? Went missing in South. Oh, oh, it was Southeast Asia. Sorry, not the Amazon. Mm. Although oh. there was an there was an extensive search and quite a cut cult following in the cold case. Not a single trace of him has been found. So back in the day of like the Aztecs, obviously we were speaking about um, Vikings and stuff earlier. Would that have been like very tribalistic as well? Because I don't really know too much yeah. history on like Aztecs. Mate, they they sacrificed like people yeah. like yeah, like you would Mayans believe. Yeah, the Aztecs. Oh man, they would sacrifice people. I think like I think some of their some of their festivals they would sacrifice like over a thousand people in a day. That's crazy, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Apparently, Those like there would be out. so much blood. There would just be blood like mm. everywhere. Mm. It was like, crazy. You should um, read um, War God by um, Graham Hancock. Yeah. It's like mm. his um, fictional series, but it's right. about it's a, it's about the the Spanish um, when they went over and and like yeah and just like the sacrifice and everything. It's a crazy story. That must and, have been scary for the Spanish man. Yeah, mm. and also Entangled as well. His book called Entangled is another fictional one, but it's all about the interaction between human and Neanderthals. Right? Yeah. It's like, it was really cool. Yeah. I mean, the, the Spanish always were, were like pretty much on the whole one, all the encounters, because the Spanish had guns, right. basically. Yeah, they had, they had, uh, the, um, the, the others, the Aztecs had um, um, obsidian. Obsidian weapons. So, obsidian. So Glass, that essentially. Was, yeah, that yeah. was their, everything that they had. As Savagely sharp. Of obsidian. Mm. Yeah, there was a lot of obsidian sort of like ore in in um, sort of South America, so they would make these absolutely razor sharp, like terrifyingly sharp, mm. like probably sharper than a razor blade weapons that would literally slice through flesh like you wouldn't believe. But 
obviously the Spanish they came they had like at the time what was probably steel. yeah probably like a lot of them would have had Toledo steel mm. now, Toledo was literally a place a, part, a place in Spain mm. so um, they would have had Toledo steel a lot of them they had guns they had big mm. steel breastplates which let's face it a sharp like it's funny isn't it glass glass is very it's very much like a rock paper scissor thing like to flesh probably slice your flesh better than a sharpened steel sword mm. but if you hit a steel breastplate with it, it's, smash. it's probably yeah. not going to yeah, do yeah, much, yeah. is it? Mm. So I think the Spanish, yeah, they, and the Spanish did do um, some savage things to the Aztecs as well. Mm. I mean, I know they say all is fair in love and war, don't they? But like, they, they basically burnt alive like a lot of the freaking South Americans. Whoa. Yeah, they like burnt them. They like, just, just like string them up and just burn them, man. I wonder if there's like historical uh, records of when the Spanish went over there from the Spanish people. Oh yeah, loads. Because that would be like a, that would be a really cool thing Cortez. to like find. Yeah, yeah. Like, look up Cortez. Yeah, he's mm. like one of the most famous sort of Spaniards that went over there. And well, I think was he the one that they, they found the city of the gold, city of gold, and stuff That's like that. That's what he was looking for, wasn't it? Was it what he, he yeah. was looking for? So, all yeah. oh, right. So in that case, there must have already been other Spaniards that came back to Spain mm. and said that they'd seen it. The Lost City of El Dorado. That's what it was, isn't it? Is that right? That's so cool. Is that right? Lost City of El Dorado? I think that's I think that's right. Let me have a look. See, my history on like this side of the like South American history and stuff like that, I've got no clue. I d I don't really know anything about it. To be I honest, don't so. I don't either, man, to be honest. I don't it's not like one of my strong points of, of history mm. at all. I know like some bare facts. Do mm. you know what I mean? Like basic stuff. Um yeah, I think it is. So El Dorado. It's commonly associated with the legend of the Gold City Kingdom or Empire, reportedly port- located somewhere in the Americas, originally known as El Hombre Dorado, mm. which means the Golden Man, or El Rey Dorado, the Golden King. It was a term used by the Spanish in the 16th century to describe a mis- mystical tribal chief um, or king of the uh, Muisca people, an indigenous people of the Al Altiplano Condorbio. A sensei, people of Colombia, <laughs> who, as an initiation rite, covered himself with gold dust and then submerged in Lake Guatavita. Right, cool. Crazy. Yeah, so basically, I think, um, I'm not going to read that as whole article. I think mm. basically, yeah, El Dorado was like the lost city of gold or something like that. And there were these stories about it. So the Spaniards kept going back and then trying to find it again, but then they've never found it. And to this day, it's like a mystery. It's like, is it out there? And mm. they just haven't found it. It's like swallowed by the Amazon yeah. or, or, or what? Because a lot of people say... So As we know, if if if, if say the Spanish people accident like because we know that whole entire like um, settlements were wiped out from like smallpox and stuff, yeah. And the jungle in the Amazon because it's because it's what do you need to make things grow? We know because we we freaking live in Britain, which mm. is also like this, but not even to the same level. You need it to be wet, mm. and you need sunlight, mm. right? And that's why um, Britain is so fertile because yeah. we have just the right balance of sun and rain. Um, but the Amazon man, it's sunny mm. all the freaking time, it's and, it's, else. and it's and it's just down. damp. Mm. It's just freaking mm. damp all the time. So everything grows like wildfire. So even if you went back to Spain and then came back again, say like two years have passed in that time, that would probably be all it needed mm. to, to to literally almost like swallow up a whole settlement. So a lot of people think. I think that there's literally been explorers like Indiana Jones style explorers mm-hmm. over the last few hundred years, like European explorers, that have literally dedicated their lives to trying mm. to find it in in obviously the the hope that. If you found it, you would be rich beyond imagination. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's that almost like crazy, you know, yeah, lust for almost, uh, lust for for riches. riches. Mm. Um, changing the, the, the story a little bit. Um, this is another really, f- this, is a, this is a fascinating tale, guys. And this is almost like, it's a good thing to follow on from our Halloween episode um, nice. last week as well. Have you guys ever heard of a man called Anton LaVey? No. No? no? Never I heard of a man so, called... But- not, not. I wouldn't know off the top of my head. 
Anton LaVey um, founded the Satanic Church on the 30th of April, 1966, in San Francisco, California. Mm. Um, Anton LaVey, really freaking fascinating guy, man. Um, so, yeah, so he was uh, founded the Church of Satanism, as I just said. Um, obviously, uh, Christians naturally... Um, think of him as like a very very sketchy character he is a sketchy mm. character mm. he was a really strange guy but he was also a very complicated and intriguing man i did some research on him um over the last couple of days um really really fascinating guy he was actually a very talented man he was a great musician he was an actor um he had did all sorts of things in his life um he also uh, really sort of played up his character so people were basically terrified of him mm. in his lifetime um i'll get a picture of him for people that um i'll get a picture of him for people that are watching on um spotify and youtube um anton LaVey. he looks he looks almost like um as some stereotypical like villain from some like 80s <laughs> fantasy um anton LaVey. Let's have i feel like i can already picture him without seeing what he looks like he's bold and he looks mental basically uh, yeah look this i can't was believe him. i've never seen him before anton LaVey. yeah look, here he is with his uh, yeah, so he apparently he used to um Proper he, goatee that, innit? He had this big house and he had this organ in it and he was a really good organ player. Mm. And apparently at literally like all times of the day, he would just play his organ really loudly, but like m- deliberately like menacing music. So like people walking out past the house, say like say you like you know you're walking your dog late at night, you'd walk past his house and all you'd hear is like this creepy like organ music Whoa. coming from his house. <laughs> and apparently he used to like walk around like at nighttime and stuff in this like big black cape. And things like that, but he was a really interesting character because he also apparently was like ridiculously law-abiding mm. to the point where he like insisted it is satanic church that basically everybody followed the law and that nobody at any time did anything unlawful. Mm. And apparently he was like a really big supporter of like the police and stuff. So yeah. do you know what I mean? It's like people can be really complicated, man. Yeah. You think on service this guy would be like you know like trying to like you know slit the throats of the mm. feds or something? Do you know what I mean? Like mm. something crazi like that. But he was actually a com- r- ridiculously law-abiding citizen to the point where he like really looked down and frowned upon people that would get involved in like petty crime and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, he and, and, and another thing that you wouldn't expect. The snake he's got as well. Yeah, I know, mad, <laughs> isn't it? And look at this. Like, he look does at, look, look at him, as satanic as you could look. Look at him at one of like the ceremonies and stuff here with his mad cape and his big freaking bling and all sorts. Mm. Like, But um, also, you would not think this, would you? Especially with considering um, how many bands almost like dabble with occult um, sort of material. Um, or m- mostly, obviously, for fun, or because of like the the gothicy fun sort of element of it. But apparently, he hated rock metal and music. Really, like detested Whoa. it. He like liked like classical music and stuff. He thought that rock music and metal music. He apparently like he, if he like heard it, he'd be like turn it off now. Like that's how much he hated it. Whoa. So he was like ridiculously law abiding citizen. Even though like Black Sabbath and that were like known, you know, like they weren't obviously actually Satanists. It was all a marketing mm. thing by their record company. But. Um, you know, all that music and stuff, like the actual song Black Sabbath, if you listen to Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath, it sounds very eerie. Mm. But apparently he hated all of that stuff. Very, very, very complicated character. But um, I think one of the most fascinating things about Anton LaVey is the story of his death. And this is one thing that spiritualists and Christians point to a lot. And it's actually actually a ridiculously eerie story. I think you'll definitely like this one, Drew, because it points into, I know you've researched things like this a lot um, in your life. Um, I'll try and t- sort of tell um, a little bit of, of sort of bit more of the background of, of Anton LaVey, though, just for trivia's sake, before I tell you mm. the story of his death. So Sounds like a really interesting guy. Very intriguing guy. He also, how fascinating is this? So Anton um, LaVey uh, founded the Church of Satan. He also played, and I didn't know this until the other day, 
Um, he played the devil in Roman Polanski's 1968 film Rosemary's Baby, Whoa. which is one of the movies I talked about last week that was pro- yeah. supposedly was haunted. Obviously, I said one of the things I said to you about was Roman Polanski's wife. The year after was the, was the lady that got savagely, un- brutally killed in, mm. the, in the Charles Manson murders. Mm. Um, awful. But yeah, so how weird is that? He, he actually played Satan in Roman Polanski's 1968 film Rosemary's Baby. So he was an actor and a, and a, and a big enough actor that he was playing in like, what the day at the time? Yeah. That was probably like... Big movie. That, yeah, was, that, was, that, that would have been the biggest horror movie of the year. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. probably one of the biggest movies of the year. Yeah. Um, family members said LeVay... Uh, oh yeah, I was scared. That was sort of talking about his death, so I won't talk about that yet. Um, he founded the Church of Satan in 1966 and made national headlines the next year for, for, for performing a satanic wedding and then baptizing his daughter in the Church of Satan. The church claims more than 10,000 members scattered across the globe. Um, his followers, which British newspaper The Sunday Times last year said included Sammy Davis Jr., which I thought was a hilarious fact. <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr. would not expect him to be a Satanist. And Jane Mansfield... Um, so if you don't know who Jane Mansfield was, she was almost considered almost like a, maybe not directly, maybe not necessarily to her, but mm. she was considered almost like a rival of Marilyn Monroe, basically, right. in the day. So she was like, if Marilyn Monroe was like the biggest sort of blonde female um, sort of pinup girl, if you want to call mm. She was that. the biggest brunette. No, she was also a blonde, oh, but almost she? like the other big blonde oh, of the day. Right, okay, right. She yeah. obviously isn't as famous because of the whole controversy with the Kennedys mm. and, and her death and everything like that but she was very big in her day anyway yeah. and lots of men like lusted after her um, yeah so he did all this crazy stuff in his life um, but he says you know his brand of Satanism was not about evil or animal and, and child sacrifices um, so his family members say anyway um, it was more about rational free thinking and a disdain for the hypocrisy he believed corrupted Christianity and other likewise religions. Interesting. He preached for living for the day instead of for an afterlife that nobody can prove exists. He did not believe in the devil, so to speak, um, and certainly not as an anthropomorphic being with horns and a tail, um, but rather as a Jungian archetype conjured up by mankind. Um, mm. Still, LaVey played the Satan image to the hilt. He often was seen walking in his neighborhood with his bald head gleaming black cape flapping. For years, he kept a lion and tarantulas as pets. He would spend hours each day playing eerie organ music that could be heard on the sidewalk outside his home. Um, His family home was a late 1800s Victorian um, house um, hidden behind a chain link and barbed wire fence. It was painted black throughout with red ceilings, pentagrams, with pentagrams on the walls and satanic statuettes. Daggers and skulls hang on the walls next to a coffin with a plastic owl perched on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. LeVay was the author of five books, including The Satanic Bible, The Satanic Witch, and The Satanic Rituals, in which there are more than one million copies in print combined. Um, Singapore even banned one, which was called The Devil's Notebook, in 1995, saying it promoted Satanism and it denigrated Christianity. Mm-hmm. Mr. LeVay's final book, Satan Speaks, um, is, uh, was released posthumously. Uh, in recent years... Uh, well, sorry, in the last sort of years of his life, he released several musical recordings, such as Satan Takes a Holiday, which is an <laughs> album that included such tunes as Honolulu Baby and Answer Me. Mm. <laughs> um, he told his daughter before he died that he wanted his epitaph to be, I only regretted the times that I was too nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so funny. Mm. But um, we're going to have to take a break here, guys, because we're at the end of the first hour. 
But when I come back, I'm going to tell you guys the fascinating and creepy story of his death. You want to stick around for this because this is absolutely fascinating. Oh, cliffhanger. Um, so, yeah, yeah, honestly, this is so good. So we listen to a bit of music now. Um, and when we come back, I'll tell you this, the, the absolutely intriguing story of um, Anton LaVey's death. You will open Pandora's box many times in your life. No, we probably really shouldn't open that box. Look, I've got one rule here. here. Welcome back to Pandora's Box, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you're having a good day out there, whatever you've been doing. And we've been talking about Anton LaVey, who mm. founded the Church of Satanism in 1966. Do you reckon he waited until 1966 just so it was 66? Ooh, Do you reckon he did? That's quite, that's reckon, quite a cool I thing. I reckon he did. Yeah. I reckon he did. Um, but we're going to now talk about the fascinating incident of Anton LaVey's death. This is, a, um, this is sort of an incident of much speculation. Um, people um, sort of debate exactly what happened. Um, but there are some facts that people do not dispute. Mm. Um, what is clear is that when Anton LaVey was on his deathbed, um, he seemed to be absolutely terrified for one reason or another. Mm. People don't know, obviously, exactly what was going on in his head, but Anton LaVey, who was usually an extremely cool and collected, composed character, upon his deathbed seemed to be absolutely terrified. Um, he seemed fearful and perhaps even regretful. Um, this has led some to believe that he may have been seeking in his last hour some sort of repentance. Um, there are some speculations of what um, was going on. Apparently, um, his final words as he died was, oh no, what have I done? What have I done? And then he Whoa. died. Um, and he was like incoherent and he was like babbling before his death and, 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 like, te and like terrified and like sweating and stuff. Um, and lots of Christians and spiritualists... Um, uh, think that basically as he was dying he was go he was seeing like demons and like going to hell essentially and that he so finally like the 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 weight of what he had dedicated his life to had hit home obviously for any atheists out there you're thinking yeah right mate um <laughs> just to let everyone know i'm uh, i'm not i'm not like necessarily religious i'm i'm, I'm an open-minded skeptic so i just think i don't know really which mm. is i think the most intellectually honest thing that anybody can say is because if you do say you know then you don't. You, you don't really <laughs> do. Let's face it. But um, yeah, um, it's just speculation, isn't it? But um, this reminds me. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago? I said I'm like I was speaking about accidentally, like selling your soul to the devil. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, legit. Yeah. Like what this is. Like he yeah. did, like getting yourself. <laughs> it's a fascinating concept. Yeah, yeah. like getting he yourself. He just deliberately into a place. did it, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, yeah, but he I, still I didn't know, know what he was getting into. You know. Yeah, and he was saying that like even though he founded the Church of Satanism, it goes on to say that his family said that he didn't even believe that mm. Satan was real. It was more like he was doing this thing almost like to rebel against the other religions, really. Mm. But yeah, apparently his, fast, his last words were, oh no, what have I done? What have I done? And he was absolutely terrified. A lot of like um, Christians like say like what was happening, because obviously in the Christian belief, they say 100% what was happening was as he was dying, um, there would have been like demons dragging him to hell. And that would have been like the last thing he Whoa. saw before he died. Yeah, absolutely crazy, isn't it? I mean, what you make of that obviously is completely up to you. Um but I think it's a fascinating, uh, it's a fascinating story, isn't it? Mm. It's a fascinating story. One thing, one of the things I thought was absolutely mental on it. Um, I read the article on it, and there were comments on it, and 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 somebody else left a comment, um, which I thought was a really interesting comment, which I'll also read out. Um, and it's from somebody who was also a former Satanist, and they talked about their, um, they basically just left a really a very well written as well account of of mm. of um of their experiences and their their sort of belief on what happened to Anton Lavey. Um, so I don't know the name of this person, and I, well, I wouldn't have said it anyway, but this person commented, 
I have read all of Anton's books, um, and I used to be a Satanist. It took me getting caught in the rain in November in New York one year um, to realise the error of my ways. I took some acid um, and, and began tripping heavily. I lay down in bed feeling sick and, and started getting a fever from delirium. Um, I was wide awake and my eyes were wide open, but I could swear that I was falling through this cavern where demons were flying down and trying to grab me and pull me into hell. I was terrified. The next morning I burned all of his books. I got down on my knees and begged God for forgiveness, for I was lost and I needed his guidance. I am forever thankful and blessed that he helped me find my way back and I have not had any incidents since. Mm. And I just thought, you know, just pretty, that's just interesting, isn't it? Mm. Interesting stories, man. It's interesting, like, but a lot of people would think they're cooler in situations than they are. So like people people that were, are in mm. this in this church may think that that wouldn't play on them, but it's like subconsciously, mm. somehow their mind does play on them that they're like, you shouldn't be doing this, you know? Like that's quite cool, isn't it? I think as well, like even if you wanted to go for like more of a scientific route mm. and say like, you know, cause they say, don't they, that your brain is like flooded, isn't it? With like different hormones and stuff before you die. And I think even one of the things that is flooded with is DMT, DMT. isn't it? Mm. So essentially you would be suffering from almost like hallucinations, yeah. you know? Um, and uh, cause DMT is just literally, it's released every night when you when you dream. Mm. That's, mm. that's like basically what makes you dream. Um, so if he had led the life he lived, even if there was some small shred of doubt in the back of his head that said like, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I don't really know. Yeah. What, if, what if there is a God? Yeah. And what if I am going to get like, you know, I literally, I'm the guy that's founded the Church of Satan. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. If there's one guy that's going to hell, probably <laughs> me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, then that could have just basically been enough to make his last experiences of life as mm. his brain was getting flooded with these hormones just to be awful, which in itself is actually just like really sad. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Imagine if like, like, let's face it, Sounds like an obvious and silly thing to say, but you're only going to die once. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, some people can be brought back to life, can't they? But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, let's face it. For most people, you're probably only going to die once. Mm -hmm. um, re realistically, you want it to be like a fairly relaxing transition. And don't I you, think you know? normally it is, isn't it? I was going to say this. Like, yeah, I think normally people when people kind of pass over, yeah. they're, they're more like content with, you know, just acceptance yeah. of the fact yeah. they are passing over. But yeah. so interesting that, like you say, that shred of doubt that was planted in this guy's mind, yeah. like, maybe so he couldn't be. I always remember Josh telling me, um, Bullwinkle's older brother, that um, when your when your your grandfather mm. died, um, so like Pauline's husband, mm. um, your nan Pauline, that when he died, apparently everyone was, like, I can't remember who was around him, um, but apparently they said that they were almost, even though it was like really sad they were almost like happy for him in a way because apparently like his like last moments he was just like smiling mm. and apparently i can't remember i can't remember the details now because i remember just talking this like first when we were in primary school or something yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a long long time ago man but it, he maybe like said something that like mm. it implied that there was something magical and amazing going on like yeah. like it was almost like i i remember that the gist of the story what josh was telling me was that it was almost like people were saying like he was going to heaven. Yeah. Like it was almost like he could see the gates of heaven and he was yeah. going to heaven. And it was almost like, what a, what a lovely thing if you as mm. like some, as your, as like a family member to think that like, oh wow. So, so that, that's such an amazing thing. Cause he, cause uh, no, it was it wasn't him. Was it? That was the, uh, no, it was Josh's dad's dad. That was the priest or vicar, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. 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 Which is hilarious if you know Steve. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like literally like apple fell far from the tree on that one <laughs> but yeah um yeah fascinating story isn't it about anton lavey anyway mm. fascinating story 
So um, yeah, let us know, um, people. What do you think of the of the tale of Anton Lavey? Do you think that he really was being dragged to hell um, in the final moments of his life? Do you think that he was just experiencing some hallucinations due to the hormones that were flooding his brain? Um, what do, or, or it might have been even just regret mm. some sort of regret in his life in general you know mm. not even like a hormonal based one you know you never know how you're gonna react until something is actually happening if mm. it's something like as profound as dying mm. you know what i mean He's, you're obviously going through something in that moment and it's like who knows what you know mm. you're gonna it must be like a, a mental like moment experience yeah i know like a lot of people say don't that on their deathbed and stuff that they feel um well, obviously they don't say it afterwards, but you know they they, they show sort of regret or wish mm. they'd done more or wish they'd done something different or mm. maybe. See, that is something I really hope I don't feel when I die. You know, yeah. I hope I, I think that's quite a sad way to like end it off by sitting there going, oh, "I wish I'd have done this." You know? Mm. Yeah, unfortunately, I think like without trying to sound like negative, I think it's hard almost in a way not to feel like that because yeah. time is so so limited, isn't mm. it? And and um, time is one of those things that like even if things seem like they're taking a long time at the time. It, afterwards it always seems like it's fly, flown by isn't mm. it you know and there's so much that you could do in your life but only so much that you can do yeah yeah and that's yeah. that's the that's frustration way, that's yeah. the frustration yeah. isn't it? that's where the frustration lies it's like what can i do with my life and you're like well i could do this i could do that I could do that and sometimes you almost get f- like paralyzed by choice yeah you know, paralyzed by indecision yeah. you know like, like when you're trying to the options pick a new movie in netflix <laughs> yeah yeah, 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 yeah exactly. it's actually like that but like with your life <laughs> yeah isn't it you know it's like Man, I've had like, times where I've had almost like sporadic moments and I'm like, should I become a paleontologist? Should I yeah. just, like, try and like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. just become a paleontologist? And, just, like, and then I can just spend all my time trying to dig up dinosaur bones and just like talking to loads of us, other essentially like dinosaur nerds about dinosaurs yeah. and just going around in like museums and that. Like, that'd be sick. Mm. Yeah. And also, like, I'd be well good at digging up dinosaur bones. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know? Like, compared to like some of the other maybe paleontologists. Yeah. You know, like, that'd be great. I'd absolutely freaking love that. But then it's like, then you think, what if I do something else? Mm. You know, and then you're like, what, well, I could just do this, I could do that, blah, 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 you know? Too much choice. Too much choice, my friend. Um, moving on to uh, the next subject. This is another really cool one. And it also has a little uh, a little eerie bit of folklore with it as well. Um, have you guys ever heard of Britain's Atlantis? No. Yeah, this is actually a really cool story. Um, and also, it also... Um, Ties into a little bit one of my favourite horror authors, um, H.P. Lovecraft, as well. I don't know. If, I don't know if H.P. Lovecraft based um, the Dunwich horror on his knowledge of this town and maybe his his um, knowledge of some of the supernatural connotations with the town of Dunwich. But um, uh, Dunwich town in the UK is considered Britain's Atlantis, and that's because. Um, a long, long time ago, it was essentially swallowed by the sea. Well, it was like a, it was a, it was a thriving settlement right on the edge of um, of the east coast of the UK, and um, there were massive storms. I think in, the, I think it was the 1300s. I think it might have been even like several over the course of several hundred years, like mm. one in 1200s, one in the 1300s, maybe even one in the 1400s. But eventually, it essentially like swallowed much of the town of Dunwich. But um, one of the things that's like crazy is it wasn't even just like a small settlement. Um, at one time, uh, it was considered one of the biggest settlements in the UK. Whoa. At one point, it was even on par with London. Whoa. And to this day, most people don't even know about it. Yeah, no, I didn't know about How that. crazy That's so that? crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, in the Su- it's on the Suffolk coast. Oh, wow. It's I can't the, believe I that's not Suffolk more like well. common yeah. knowledge. Mm. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Um, so uh, 
got a little article here, so I'll read out a little bit more um, information. Um, Dunwich is known as the Lost City of England, um, and this this uh, settlement certainly has a story to tell. Um, let's try and find some stuff. Um, hailed by some as Suffolk's answer to Atlantis, Dunwich was once a thriving medieval port, port on par with London as the capital of the Kingdom of East Anglia. So East Anglia was one of the Saxon sort of um, like places. So you would have had like Wessex, Northumbria, mm. Mercia, East Anglia. So that was the capital of East Anglia. Um, it had over 3,000 residents recorded in, ten, in uh, 1086. 3,000 might not sound like a lot today, but 3,000 residents all living in the same place in 1086 in the UK would have been considered like a lot of people, mm. like a hell of a lot of people. Mm. Uh, it says, however, the effects of storm surges and the resulting coastal erosion washed away much of the harbour buildings and land. Research has been completed with sonar devices to map out the underwater streets and buildings of Dunwich's past. Many people say that during storms, you can hear the bells of lost churches ringing from below the waves. Mm. Um, that's one of the things I think is really interesting. And apparently that's like a real like, like a, a real piece of folklore and like lots of people have reported that happening. Whether it's hysteria or what, I don't know. But lots of people have reported walking along what nowadays is the beach of um, Dunwich. Mm. And it's mad, isn't it? Because you'd be like walking across the beach, but there'd be, literally be like a whole town in the sea. Whoa. And they, yeah, people report that like on like dark, stormy nights and stuff, they can hear the church bells ringing from under the water. Whoa, that's so cool. That's cool, isn't it? Almost like imagining these almost like undead people like living in, almost like, yeah. like Pirates of the Caribbean or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. These like undead underwater zombies almost mm. just like ringing the bells in their church still or something. But um, yeah, fasc- fascinating place. It's sort of. Um, Does sound very Lovecraftian. Yeah. There's also, it's got a, it's got a, uh, a Dunwich Museum. Um, which is cool. You can go to today, which will tell you all about sort of like the history mm. of, of Dunwich, which is cool. Um, yeah, really fascinating place. Um, another another really interesting thing about Dunwich, and they think this is to do with when one of the storms that eroded the uh, the town. There's also another sort of macabre tale, um, which is which is known as the Dark Heart of Dunwich, Mm-mm. and this tells the tale of a local maiden with a broken heart who haunts the area around the beach, searching for her lost love. Who um, was, you know, sucked into the ocean during one of the storms when the town got swallowed. Whoa. A lot of people have like purported to see the ghost of this woman walking up and down the beach and stuff like that. So, so if you went diving, could you still see all the old buildings? Yeah, and as it said in um, th- this article that I read out as well, yeah, people have used like sonar and stuff and have like mapped out, yeah. mapped out the place. And it's like, yeah, it's like a really big place, and there's still like a lot of like solid um, buildings underneath and stuff That's like so that. Cool. Yeah, really fascinating stuff, don't you? Do you think? I think I just like the fact the fact that like this place at one time was as big as London and mm. was considered one of the main capitals of of the UK, um, you know, mm. and that, that we just today most people don't even know about it. Yeah. yeah, and the fact that it's even known as like Britain's Atlantis, and then you have got the cool stories of like the ghosts and then the bells mm. ringing mm. on the stones. Like that's like imagine how cool that would be. Like if, yeah, again talking about stuff that would make a good movie. You can make a banging movie about yeah, that story. Yeah, hundred percent. I feel like everything we've talked yeah. about today has just been like great movie mm. concepts. Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, considering how many awful horror movies there are, and that's coming mm. from someone that's a big fan of horror movies. Mm. Like, like if you met, if you just basically said, right, I don't even need to write a horror movie. Mm. This this is one that's written for me. I basically just have to direct it really well and get a, some a good score done by a good musician mm. and get some some pretty decent actors to play it. Oh, you could make an amazing story out of that. Mm. I mean, whether it was a story of actually back in the day of it being swallowed yeah, or like modern day, almost like a MR James style ghost story mm. where it'd be like this guy walking, you know, his dog on the beach and like he could hear some bells ringing and he yeah. what it was. And You'd then get he, like saw a, a woman. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. Different types. <laughs> I mean, it'd be great. Yeah. He could freaking milk that one. Yeah. He could yeah. milk that one, you know. 
I think as well, it makes me think with this whole swallowed by water thing, even the way the world has changed, like going back of all the mm. lost history that we've talked about before that we don't know about, you know, and mm. how many cities there are just completely yep. underwater. Mm. Like, yep. you know, when it was all one, Pangaea, one huge continent. Super continent From yeah. then to yeah. now, <laughs> like, do you yeah. know what I mean? There must have been so many, like, I changes. And I, I can't remember if I said this um, on the pod recently, but did you guys hear that apparently... Um, I think it's South Africa is like breaking into two. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Did you, you hear about no, that? You told me this the other day. Does it, it's yeah. crazy. <laughs> is it like the tectonic plates are like shifting. Mate, so they think that basically it's like the obviously these things take a long time. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not like but it's, it's, like, it's, it's not like it would just crack and go and then like the sea. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, they think that basically the the it, this is the early stages of South Africa breaking into two smaller south wow. subcontinents. Mm. Isn't that amazing? That's what I mean. It's like the earth is just always changing. Yeah. Throughout, mm. Like, you know, yeah. on a on a wider perspective, you know, yeah. it's just always, it's going to be different. Don't you think it's, it's so different. Don't you think it seems almost like crazy to think that you could literally, the land could just almost just like crack down the middle and then it's like, oh, okay. So it's just like two, two, two places <laughs> yeah. now rather than yeah. one. Because <laughs> it happens over such a long period yeah. of time. It's like you don't imagine it when you see like cities and you see things now. Yeah. It's taken so and and it will be like that for so long. Mm. Changes aren't generally like super quick, are they? It's yeah. like no. and, uh, apart from when you know uh, the big massive extinction events and stuff, mm. they're like instantaneous changes. But most things take you know thousands yeah. of years. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah, crazy yeah. to think that mm. evolution like is always happening. Yeah, like it's so easy to forget that, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100%, man. The world's always changing, but it's just, it's almost impossible for us to see because uh, obviously time is so relative. Yeah, and you think about it in your own life as well. Like yeah. From the moment you were born mm. to now has just been a continuous, like, present yeah. moment. Mm. And it's, it's, there's no, there's no, you know, you define it through, you know, you were this age, you were that age, yeah. this happened to you, that happened to you, that happened to you, but it's just a way of your brain categorizing mm. it. Or it's just been this continuous event of yeah. growth. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like crazy. I think it's, um, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And I think a lot of people find this almost hard to get their heads around because, um, you know, it almost seems like, really? But I think, you know, the way that you, you know, you hear that like a mosquito lives for a day mm. and you think, man, that must be so savage for that mosquito. Like it must be awful to only live for a day. But obviously the life, the day life of that mosquito relative seems as long to the mosquito as our lifetime seems to us mm. because time is relative. So although you think how much of the world can a mosquito experience in a day, to the grand scale of like the universe, what can we experience in our lifetimes? Yeah, so I think, exactly. What's, it, what's the average lifetime or life ex um, expectancy for someone in the UK? Isn't it like something like seventy-eight for a man and like eighty-two Probably. for a woman or that something like that? Right, wow. yeah. Something like that. But like, I think in, in the grand scheme of the universe, that's like a blink of an eye. Yeah. Oh, so, that, like as you said, Drew, you know, what, what really can we experience? These things are happening on such a microscopic level, you know. But over the course of like in a million years, which to us seems like an unfathomable amount of time. But to, like, say, the world, if you wanted to imagine the world... To the, the titans world, of the universe. <laughs> yeah, if you wanted to imagine the world as, like, a living being, that's probably, like, a day to the world. Yeah. The same way that a mosquito is, like, a day yeah. to us. Um, but, yeah, so I found this this article here. So this was released um, in June 2023. There's a picture here as well of people that are watching on Spotify and, and YouTube of this big sort of crack that's opened up in Africa. Um, it says, Shifting tectonic plates have been splitting the continent oh. since the East African Rift, a 35-mile-long crack in Ethiopia's desert, which emerged in 2005. Uh, da, 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 da. The separation of the Somalian tectonic plate and the larger Nubian tectonic plate will effectively split the world's la second-largest continent in two, a phenomenon that hasn't been observed in hundreds of millions of years when South Africa and Africa were divided into different continents. 
The findings are based on a 2004 study on the separation of the Somalian tectonic plate and the larger Nubian tectonic plate. The study, which was published in the peer-reviewed scientific journal Earth and Planetary Science Letters, found that the plates separate a few millimetres per year. So think, just a few millimetres. Mm. So think about that. What's mm. that, one-fifth of a centimetre? Mm. That's crazy, isn't it? Getting a nice selfie with it. Yeah, that guy's like, yeah, man, Africa's breaking into. <laughs> Woo! It's like getting a selfie with this one. This will get me some likes on Insta. <laughs> what will Africa look like? Um, currently, landlocked countries in Africa, such as Ethiopia, Uganda, and more, will see the introduction of a coastline, expanding oh. possibilities for trade and production. Further, the split would lead to the emergence of a new ocean. Wow. Even that's cool. Yeah. Just a new ocean. The Gulf of Aden and the Red Sea will flood in over the Afar region and into the East African Rift Valley and become a new ocean. And that part of East Africa will become its own separate small continent. Ken MacDonald, a marine uh, geophysicist and professor... Professor Emeritus as the, as the, at the University of California, pardon me, told Mashable. I do suppose... Reckon, uh, sorry, I was just going to say, go do you reckon when, the, when, the, when that gets filled up with water in the sea kind of level... <laughs> That's the, exactly the, uh, what I was going to say. Really? Yeah. yeah, the levels will drop <laughs> elsewhere and like more will come out of the water. Yeah, I wonder if it would make it move quicker mm. as well mm. because of the force of the water. Like once the water gets in, mm. I wonder if that would make it split like a lot faster than it is currently. It's quite a funny concept, isn't it? Yeah, I like the idea of it. I mean, I don't know if it would be like this, but I mean, it's almost like you, you think of it, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost like pulling out like the, the plug in mm. like a bath and just like seeing the water go down. It's like the moment it's go it somewhere tipped else over. And, yeah. Imagine if just like everywhere else there was like yeah. a, in the world there was like an extra just like 10 feet of shoreline. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's really weird, isn't it? <laughs> but um, yeah, it says, while the splitting of the African um, continent and the subsequent ocean that would arise holds an abundance of possibilities, the continent will not completely split for another five to 10 million years. Ah. So we are never going to see it. But that's crazy, isn't it? Still cool. There's <laughs> a guy just looking belly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's pretty funny. That's pretty I, I love the fact that like certain places you can go to are literally just big volcanoes. Like the ash from volcanoes. Like, uh, it, is Tenerife one of those? I don't where know. a volcano yeah. erupted in Tenerife and that basically just created the land there? Really? Because I think so. Because like the tectonic plates shifts and everything, obviously, creates yeah. the volcano. And then because of all the lava coming out and the ash and like it, it makes like ev yeah it all dries and like makes the continent or that, not the continent the country that is mad I, I'm pretty I, sure I've never heard that yeah, I could maybe, be wrong man. but maybe. and I, I like the fact that even then after then like yeah. nature just takes its course and then you know somehow so like how does soil get there and stuff like that and trees and mm. grass I still find it mad that if you take a cup of cup of soil from the from from a like a, a fertile like um like woodland mm. um and just Put, put some rocks in the bottom of it, tip that soil on it, completely close the bottle, just with the moisture that's in it. I think you put a cup of water in there or something mm. as well, but just like that, you don't, it, it will it will grow its own. Yeah, yeah, a terrarium. A yeah. terrarium. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah, yeah. so cool. And just to think like mm. that, like, like you say, nature taking its course, yeah. it's just... The idea is that you could almost like make your own universe. Yeah. yeah. And that's what a lot of people will say, don't they? Like um, some people would even hypothesize and it's like a crazy idea. But they think, like, imagine if we, our universe was just a terrarium mm. from this, like, infathomably gigantic being mm. <laughs> that was, like, so big um, that the universe, what, even though the universe to us is so literally, like, infathomably vast, mm. um, infinitely vast, like... It's just like a little glass, like glow yeah. to like yeah, some being. Yeah, because like you say, time's yeah. relative, and so is size. Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, man. Yeah, crazy. You know, to like, to like, um, to like an atom. Obviously, like a flea is like 
a freaking blue whale. <laughs> well, yeah. probably even bigger than that, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like crazy, you know, mad stuff, mad stuff. Um, what else have I got? Anything else good in my in my notes here for you guys? Oh yeah, I thought this was just like a more almost just like a funny fact. Did you know that to this day it's a mystery who did it? But somebody on the set of the uh, movie Titanic um, laced the clam chowder on the set with PCP, causing everyone to get like really ill on the set of Titanic. What? Why like, did they do that? No, well, nobody knows because oh, nobody even knows who did it. No, an un- an unknown assailant, yeah. if you want to call them that. Laced um, the clam chowder um, on the set of Titanic with PCP, okay. causing oh like lo- causing everybody that ate it to obviously just yeah like get really sick. That's crazy. It is mad, isn't it? Absolutely. I crazy, had um, I had a goat's kefir um, on the weekend. Goat's kefir made me really ill. Did really? It? Yeah, it's called it's called clucking goat, and it's like a the clucking sh- goat. It's the clucking <laughs> goat, and it's a stupidly strong goat's kefir. That's what uh, is a kefir? Kefir is like a um, fermented milk. Yeah, fermented ah, milk. Right. So it's like, like, yeah, got, got loads milk. of good gut bacteria. Yeah, that's right, the, right, that's right. the idea of why you but would take it. But with this one, it's like um, you, you're you're supposed to work up the dosage of it, so you have a very small amount, and then did you build just it up down it? I had a cup like that, like, like of it, um, <laughs> only because that was what was poured for me, and yeah, I didn't yeah. realize that till kind of after. But I was, I was like. Um, yeah, I drank it, but I got ill the night that, that night and stuff. Well, like, your I was belly. Like, fine at the time. Yeah, I just got up in the middle of the night and just had to go down. I was like, what, you <laughs> like you know, threw up. Yeah, threw up really bad. And um, well, your I mean, it might resisting. not have been that. It might have been the food. But I was thinking, what? Well, you know, no one was else was ill from the food that we ate, and yeah. we ate the same meal and stuff like that. Um, so, so I, I was just, yeah, it was almost like my my gut was just a bit like, what is going on? Yeah. Like, like rich food, like nice wine. Goat's kefir. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a bit like t- too much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I guess your your system must have uh, not not reacted well to the influx of bacteria. Mm. Mm. It almost just yeah. rejected it. It was like, yeah, yeah. what's all this? Go away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like a little war going on between your like normal <laughs> yeah. gut bacteria and the new gut bacteria. I couldn't believe how like, strong it was to do like something like that though, because I really enjoyed it. I tasted it. I was like, oh, mm. this is real nice. It was like, proper fizzy in that, like mm. weird yeah. fizzy milk. But. I know that it is too bad to take in too much bacteria, even if it is good bacteria. So um, like I eat Greek yogurt every day, but I only have like a certain amount. I would mm. just have like an infinite amount of Greek mm. yogurt, you know, um, and kefir has got even more good bacteria than, than Greek yogurt. But Greek yogurt is like a great source of, of good bacteria. That's why, one of, well, one of the reasons to get it. It's also a great source of protein and stuff like that. Calcium, all sorts of things like that. But um, yeah, I know it is bad for you to have too much in. Like it, mm. it can cause you a bad stomach. And mm. I guess with Drew, <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> Definitely yeah. experienced that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is savage, man. Yeah, one of the first times for like years that I've actually like just thrown up out of like, you know, normally it's because you've drunk too much or something or mm. like, you know, but yeah, in involuntary projectile vomiting. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah, <laughs> mental. Um, have you guys ever heard of parthenogenesis? No. You'll have probably heard of what it is. Right. Um, parthenogenesis is... Um, when an animal somehow reproduces even though it has not been fertilized by sperm. Whoa. Have you heard of that happening before? No. You've never heard of that before? That's crazy. So I think there's some species even that like solely reproduce. Do you know what? It's really funny to say that because like a lot of people speculate that Jesus is an example of parthenogenesis. Whoa. But as far as science has documented, human, uh, it's never happened to a human. Right. Uh, As far as it's documented, humans are incapable of parthenogenesis. But it has been documented in like reptiles and fish and certain other animals. 
Um, it's a really interesting thing, though, isn't it? Like, so there's literally been reptiles that say like being held in captivity, mm. like at a zoo or whatever, um, like a female species, never interacted with a male, and mm. then will just be like, will just boggle the minds of you know whoever's handling them because they will just suddenly get pregnant. Yeah, and they're like what? Mm. And it's almost like this evolutionary thing that happens every now and again. Certain species, almost like to ensure the survival of the species, mm. like it makes sense, doesn't it? It does yeah. make sense, mm. yeah. And like, and like, but it seems almost like crazy. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. it's like to us, you know, like reproduction seems like a very simple thing. Like we all know it by this point in our lives. You know, like a female has an egg, mm. a man has a sperm. The sperm literally like penetrates the egg, gets in it, and then that starts to form like uh, like a, an embryo. Um, I'm trying to even like figure out how it would work without that. Like, how does that even work? Well, apparently, it basically it makes a in in normal reproduction. Obviously, say like as a man, our genes, mm-hmm. our DNA will mix with the female's DNA um, to create this almost essentially like a hybrid between you and your family and and your and your missus mm. and her family, right? But in parthenogenesis, it's doing the same thing essentially, but only with the genes of your own family. So because a lot of people have wondered, like, is 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 parthenogenesis essentially like making a clone of you? It's not a clone. So, like, you're if you if say theoretically, if a human could have a child through parthenogenesis, it wouldn't necessarily be, it wouldn't necessarily be anything more like you mm. than if you had a kid with a woman. Yeah. Um, because you, you can pass on genes that you don't have yourself, can't you? Exactly. So it's the same thing. So yeah. the theory that's why parthenogenesis wouldn't necessarily create like a perfect clone. So yeah. it's like. It would basically you've got these ridiculous amount of like genomes, um, uh, you know, DNA, all this stuff in your in your history going back from literally um, probably hundreds of millions, if not maybe even billions of ancestors. Because mm. you know how quickly and crazy your family tree can get out of uh, anybody that's researched their ancestry will know what I mean. Like at first it seems manageable, but once you get even by the time you get to say like your great grandparents, think each one of them would have had mm. like. Even just say like gra- say say you're born with um, as long as your grandparents haven't passed away, you've got four grandparents. Mm. Each one of them has four grandparents. Each one of them has four grandparents. You don't even have to go back very far, and before you know it, mm. there's like thousands, and you're like, whoa, I can't even really keep track of this, mm. like yeah. you know. Um, so that your your uh, there's a such a mishmash of of DNA and genes that your your body can pick, you can, can sort of almost like choose from mm-hmm. to create your offspring, and it's almost like a just almost like a, a pick and mix, isn't it? Mm. Almost. Um, a pick and mix of, of um, like DNA and stuff and genes. So yeah, it's almost like it will just go back and find these different genes and stuff like that, and it will form like a little creature. Yeah, that's mental. I have to say, I, I don't know. Um, I'm tr- I'll, I'll look up some examples of animals that it's almost like a common um, thing for, that's happened. Uh, Seahorses can do something weird. I think can't they? they change their sex. Yeah, I was going to say about yeah. changing sex. And that's crazy. That that's really weird, isn't it? I can't remember. There's a name for that as well, but where an, an animal can literally change their sex it's like really strange mm. um animals that i don't know use parthenogenesis is that right? parthenogenesis uh, let's have a look uh most animals that procreate through parthenogenesis are small invertebrates such as bees wasps ants and aphids which can alternate between sexual and asexual reproduction um that's crazy so yeah parthenogenesis parthenogenesis is the asexual reproduction sexual reproduction obviously would be the more traditional you know mm. Yeah, parthenogenesis has also been observed in more than 80 vertebrate species, about half of which are fish or lizards. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Oh, we've got a nice little picture of a lizard here, everyone. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so let's uh, let's find out a bit more about parthenogenesis. 
How some animals have virgin births, oh, like the Virgin Mary. <laughs> uh, so I just want to sort of like see like a, a list of animals. Oh, so there's mm. a Komodo dragon, apparently named, named Flora, in England's Chester Zoo, who um, achieved a, who achieved parthenogenesis, um, puzzling their zookeepers. Um, uh, also, a reticulated python named Thelma in uh, Louisville Zoo, python, wow. who had never even seen a male python, laid six eggs that developed into healthy young snakes. Crazy. Parthenogenesis comes from the, the two Greek roots that literally translate to virgin creation. Um, how it works. Sexual, re- sexual reproduction involves two ingredients, an, el- an egg cell and a sperm cell. Each provides half the genetic information necessary to create a living organism. But in parthenogenesis, the body finds a unique way of filling in for the genes usually provided by the sperm. Ovaries produce eggs through a complex process called meiosis, where the cells replicate, reorganize, and separate. These eggs contain only half the mother's chromosomes, with one copy of each chromosome. These are called haploid cells. Cells that contain two chromosomal copies are called diploid cells. Um, uh, Do you know what? I'm just trying to think a minute. I think... um, is it like all? Oh no, I suppose that's not the case. Is it? No, I don't think it doesn't. Like basically all plants reproduce by parts. That's mitosis, I think, isn't it? Rather than meiosis. Ah uh, yes. I know. Yeah, I don't know. This, this I'm, trying to, remember back to, I'm trying to can, remember back to my science. Yeah, lessons. I can think in biology, thinking yeah. of like um, haploid cells and diploid cells and stuff like that, but I can't like piece together why I know it. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I remember Georgie <laughs> Linden looking meiosis over at me. Meiosis and mitosis. Now you know your genes. <laughs> I remember as well because we were in the same science group, weren't yeah. we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the hell? What even is that? Nice little bit of music there for you, everyone. That was, that just was, like, that was the celebration of now you know yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually quite like it. Let's just rock it. Mm. Let's rock it, everyone. Where that's so funny. Where's that coming from? Um, the shark that Lenny apparently also re- reproduced by uh, orthogenesis. Mm. Yeah, it's been been observed in more than eighty vertebrate species. Obviously, just means um, basically animals with bones. Essentially. Yeah. Um, it's rare that complex vertebrates such as sharks, snakes, and large lizards rely on sexual reproduction. Oh, sorry, asexual reproduction, which is why Lenny and others initially stumped scientists. It's cool, isn't it? It's cool that mm. it can happen. Mm. Solo survival strategy. Mm. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting that animals in like in her, like just know how to reproduce. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But it's a primal thing, isn't it? You don't think about it. I suppose it's not yeah. even really any different in us. But it's yeah, just like, like we get hungry. It's like it yes, just exactly comes the same. From yeah, true. You know? I suppose it's, yeah. like it's we exactly the same. Know how it works, but we're just like you don't hunger. Think, you don't think I need to eat so I don't die. Yeah, and you don't yeah, think, yeah, think yeah, you don't yeah, think yeah, true, I wanna true. I want to mate with that nice looking lady to recreate. So you I can make. It's more like there's this thing inside you that tells you you really want to do that. Yeah. So you do it. For, for what you perceive as your own gratification. Right. And then you... But it's actually just and, nature's and really, way. It's na- your nature's like, yeah, you see, mm. I got you. Now you've just... It's like interesting to see that in like animals and that. There are even like dogs mm. and that. Like the way that, you know, it, a dog is raised by humans, but they have these complete tendencies that like mm. pretty much all dogs have of sniffing butts and wagging tails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially considering like, isn't it dolphins the only other animal that have sex for fun? Yeah, I think there are. I think I think there do. might. I yeah. think there might be some other. I think rats do. I think I remember right. that. Let me have a look. Shall I? So I'll quickly look it up just for you, Bullwinkle. Thank you. Um, animals. It have sex for pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. I know that there's a couple, but I think that yeah, dolphins are definitely the first one that would come to mind. Mm. That have 
Sex. For pleasure. Cool. Everybody, you uh, you find out all sorts of interesting <laughs> stuff on this, on this show, don't you? Um, bonobos. Bonobos. Yeah, which are a type of ape. And other primates will have sex while pregnant or lactating, seemingly just for the joy of it. Mm-hmm. While short-nosed fruit bats engage in oral sex mm-hmm. to prolong their bounce of intercourse. <laughs> oh, baby. Don't blame me. That is hilarious, yeah. mate. These little fruit bats just, like, going down on each other. Sorry if that's a bit graphic, ladies and gentlemen. This is just biology. This is, bio- this is late, yeah. night, late night biology. Late this night is. biology. Um, the stuff you don't And then it's really school. funny that then what I'm reading in brackets, it then says... There might be an evolutionary reason for this, mm. but it could also just be for fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so yeah, so let's let's um, let's let's dive into this a little bit more, shall we, guys? Um, oh, let's dive right in. Head, yeah. Dive headfirst into the vulva. <laughs> um, sorry, sorry, sorry. I can't help myself. Um, Only seven. Seven animals that have sex for pleasure: dolphins, bonobos, lions, gorillas, macaques chimps and male sea otters mm. but unfortunately not female <laughs> sea otters no. which makes the life of a female otter very sad <laughs> um, yeah similarities between humans and dolphins aren't just limited to intelligence these smart marine mammals have large clitorises <laughs> providing them with pleasurable sensation while mating even though the pelvis of a dolphin is entirely different from that of a person, their vulvas are surprisingly similar to the shape of humans. In addition, the clitoris of a dolphin has many features suggesting its function is to provide pleasure. Oh. In fact, bottlenose dolphins have an enveloped hood over the clitoris. <laughs> this is like, yeah, this is late night sex. Though, this, isn't it? As they mature, it becomes wrinkled, causing the tip oh. of the vulva to become engorged with blood when sexually stimulated, otherwise known as a clit boner. <laughs> Scientists were surprised by the size of the nerves in the dolphin's clitoris. Some measured more than 0.019 inches in length. In addition, dolphin vaginas are in an area where sexual stimulation is almost inevitable. (laughs) That's so funny. It's interesting that, like, nature doesn't make more animals have that. Because, mm. you, you know, we are, like, designed to reproduce, aren't we? Our yeah. bodies are. And that's yeah. why we like sex is because uh, our bodies want us to like sex so that we do it more and then reproduce mm. more. So it's interesting that, like, only a handful of animals mm. also have that trait. Do you reckon it's, like, a necessity thing as well? Like, um, like because of the way we've <laughs> evolved, we need to seek that pleasure to, to be able to evolve yeah. more. but. Maybe that's just not a problem in in certain yeah. animals. They just do it. Yeah, like, like you said, you know, they just do so stuff. Built, built, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? It's interesting. But yeah, I would have thought it'd be a lot more animals. Yeah, you know, but only because that's our own perspective. Yeah, it? true. Yeah. True. So we're true. talking about how like basically like duck intercourse is like horrible. yeah, yeah, like savage. And it's like this penis is like, like the why is why it's is like, that? It's like a key, a isn't mallard's it, a mallard's penis, it's like the size <laughs> of its body, and it's in this real twisted shape. Yeah. So that like basically like sex for a female duck is like is is like horrible mm. mustn't and be too good for the male either like you know you think the yeah, go well, with that yeah, maze. yeah <laughs> it's crazy isn't it but it was like yeah what a weird it is definitely seems like in some species it's unnecessarily difficult yeah yeah like as you guys were saying like yeah you'd think it would make sense for it to be pleasurable wouldn't yeah. you you know but then again i'm sure a lot of ladies listening are thinking <laughs> It's not even pleasurable for us. <laughs> so, uh, so I don't even really know what you're chatting about. You know? uh, yeah, very interesting. A little bonobos. The diet, mate. 
Bonobos are interesting, aren't they? <laughs> Bonobos. Mm. I didn't even know that they were um, monkeys. They look like chip, quite like chimps. They're me, apes, they? not monkeys. Are they? Oh, yeah, okay. apes, yeah, yeah, yeah. They look quite chimpish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are. I think they are by far close, most closely related to chimps. I think they're almost like a off, like a off branch of mm. chimps. But mm. I think bonobos are bigger, mm. like a bit bigger. You know, that animal I sent you the other day, Callum, was crazy. Oh yeah, that like Mexican wolf. I think it's yeah. called a Mexican wolf. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, I'm you said you've seen I've, one I'm in real sure life, didn't you? One, mate. Yeah. That's so. cool. I'm pretty sure they literally just have them at Exmoor Zoo. Yeah, yeah. It was like it, so. It's like this animal that looks like a mixture between like a fox and a wolf. Oh, it's a crazy looking thing, um, yeah. But apparently it's neither. Like, me, it is its own genus. Let me try and... And it's the only member of that genus. Like, the one that I sent you that was walking around, it looks like... Like, that looks like a demonic animal, I mm-hmm. thought. It looks... It does look almost unnerving. And yes, yeah. it's not this. I typed in Mexican wolf. It's not this animal. Maybe it wasn't... Maybe at the zoo it wasn't called a Mexican wolf. Mm. Um, I could have sworn it said something. Or maybe it was like South American wolf or something. Mm. I don't know. Um, let's have a look. But yeah, they are crazy. They've got like mad long Fox legs. Wolf. Yeah. Mad American, sorry, mad American legs? Mad, um, madly long legs and like, yeah, like almost like red fur. Mm. South American wolf. Let's have a look. Yes, I think it's, yes, it's this oh, one. The, yeah. the maned wolf, I think. Yes, I think that's what. And they almost look a little bit unnerving for some reason. I think it's because, I think it's because their legs are like so long. Yeah, that's crazy. They look cool though, don't they? Yeah. Very cool. They look really cool. Yeah, they have them in next more zoo, man. You could literally go on a nice little, uh, yeah. It almost looks a bit like a werewolf. Do you know what yes, I mean? Like you would yeah, imagine yeah. like if a werewolf was walking on all fours, that's how you think it would look, wouldn't you? I, I love it. I love it that there's just new, like I've never seen this animal before. Yeah. You know? No, nah, nature, nature's amazing, dude. Mm. I think animals are fascinating. Like just amazing things. Who doesn't love watching a good animal documentary? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Look at that. Look how madly long that one's legs are. Mm. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, so I'm um, mm. sorry for people that listen just on the radio. We're looking at pictures <laughs> of... They're called maned wolves. Mm, Google, it up. Google maned wolf. You will see this crazy creature that's almost like a cross between a wolf and a fox, but with just ridiculously long legs. There's something about it which almost with looks a little bit... the legs of a gazelle. Yeah. Yeah, almost, yeah, 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 literally. Something about it which almost makes it look a little bit unnerving, but mm. it's, a, it's a cool animal nonetheless. A very mm. cool animal. That's the kind of pet I would want, I think. Something yeah. like that. Something that when What's people... That? If I was walking it, people would be like, that is a creepy animal to be mm. walking around with. Yeah. I don't know, maybe it's like a baby maned wolf. I don't know. Cool looking animal anyway. <laughs> That's a chihuahua one. Yeah, a chihuahua version. I remember seeing um, a, a little clip the other day and it was comparing a chihuahua's skull compared to a wolf's skull. And it just made me think, like, mate, things that we do, like some animals, mate, like you just freaking messed up. <laughs> mm. Like, you know, like just just made this weird deformed yeah. little creature. That like live their lives in pain, like mm. all their lives in pain, and then until they just die, like just so that like people can just think they look cute or whatever. It's the same with like pugs, isn't it? They like yeah. spend their whole life just in pain. Yeah, can't can't breathe. Mate, properly. not mm. not not a fan. I have to say, no, I agree. I'm not a fan. I agree. You know, I'm all like, you know, like I think you know, in terms of like a a, a nature sort of way, you know, if you eat eat for food, do you know what I mean? If you're, like eating animals for food and stuff, that's like how we've evolved, mm. and that's like a natural part of um as as omnivores, which we are like. 100% omnivorous like you know that's just a fact we are omnivores like we can eat vegetation and meat um and you know i think that's like you know i think that's just like fair fair game that's just part of nature now obviously you're getting some more complicated like topic when you're talking mm. about like mass factory farming and stuff like that there's obviously some issues there but um you know i think but when you're almost like taking an animal though and almost like for your own joy mm. almost like breeding it into this weird decrepit 
yeah. like de- like deformed entity, almost like if you're an amusement. That's almost to me. That's almost. To me, that's almost like more like a form of torture. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's messed yeah, up. like the really long dogs. What uh, they're well, like, the, sausage know, like dogs. the sausage dogs, but there's these other ones as well that are like bigger versions of right. them. They've got real long, big droopy ears and droopy eyes. Northumberland dogs. Yeah, really. Like, <laughs> no, I'm joking. But whatever they are, those ones anyway, they're like a sausage dog, but like much bigger. Yeah, yeah Northumberland. They get they get these um they get these like things where the weight of their because they're quite big. Yeah, like the weight of their belly, like like. They go dipped in the middle, mm. and then they get all these spinal injuries and oh, everything, and it's yeah. just like savage. It's like that's not yeah, a mate. proper dog, you know. Like hasn't evolved. Like, you know probably. how you know how we look back. Like we were speaking about Roman stuff the other day, yeah. And we were looking back, thinking it's crazy that you know they would have had gladiator battles and stuff like that. And now we look at that like that is messed up. Yeah. I wonder that's if that's one of them. I us. wonder <laughs> if this is going to be something that in like a thousand years people look back at this and go like, dog. that's awful because it is messed mm. up like literally creating our own animals that we think look cute and they're just constantly in pain mm. that's like such an awful like concept it's isn't weird it? that yeah, it's like go. it's weird that like we've only done it with, with wolves as well yeah do you know what I mean yeah. like, there's no other animal where we've just like taken like a bear or taken like <laughs> yeah. a lion and then just like bred it specifically to the point where it's not it's not even classed as like a, or, like a wolf or like, like, a, like a lion or a bear anymore we've called it a different name mm. so, like dog to wolf and then we've just kept on breeding it until there's literally like hundreds of variants mm. of mm. this one species, some of which are like Tibetan mastiffs, which are like mm. massive and like brutal. And other ones that are literally like pugs and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's like, mate, that's just actually almost like mental. Yeah. Imagine if we did that. Almost like some eugenics program with bears. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, essentially yeah. what it is, isn't it? It's like eugenics. Yeah. It's, it's breeding things almost like for a, for a, for a specific outcome, mm. whether it's to make something bigger or smaller, or to accentuate certain features, mm. or whatever it is. You know, that's what it is. It's eugenics, isn't it? It's like playing God, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird, man. Yeah, it's like really weird. Pedigree b- breeding is mm. only so far it can go. That there's already species mm. where they say it's dangerous to just breed of that species because mm-hmm. of the problems that they have and everything. Yeah. Because it, there, there isn't enough like difference in the genes and that. Mm. Stuff. Yeah, it's like weird. Well, I don't I mean, know why it keeps happening so yeah. much still. You look at my dog. Like my dog was just like a street dog, uh, yeah, rest- like Romanian rescue, and you can tell. Yeah, like it oh, looks yeah. way More healthier. Jeans. Like, like mm. well, well it's that's why, the way it should be. It's probably why, like the you know, the, it's probably yeah. why like the Egyptians were like so freaking inbred there, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost like they're yeah. inbred. It's essentially mm. it's yeah, like they're inbred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're, they're like deformed. Whereas, like you know, you get that new new DNA into them, and it's like they're going to be a healthier being. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. Because that's like what it would be like in the wild, isn't it? It's like it's almost like by chance, almost mm. like who would be mating, and and they even say it, don't they? Like some. In some places, like in North America and stuff, they have like programs where, you know, it's actually beneficial for, say, hunters to take out, you know, like certain large bears and certain large old stags so that they will basically not they not suffer from inbreeding yeah. in that local population so that, that some young stags can have a chance or young bears can have a chance to like grow up into maturity and then mm. and then breed to make sure that there's like fresh gene pool because otherwise the, the animals will start getting diseases and, yeah, and, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So it's, it's weird. Do you think it's possible? So you know how we're saying everyone like inherits different genes and mm. everyone, you know, your DNA makeup is so like vastly different to other people. Mm. But is there a chance that two peoples that could be born in completely different places uh, could have the exact same DNA makeup? Or not the exact same, but near enough that it would still be bad for them to reproduce together? Like almost like having inbred without actually being related to the person, just based on the. DNA well, I think I think that sometimes you see that in like um small like popular populations, don't mm. you? You know, so it's like yeah, you don't necessarily have to be like strictly related, but if you lived in like a village, that's why there's that's where that has that old trope, isn't there? About like you know a lot of like 
fairly isolated villages, even ones around the Quantocks, like mm. Stigursi and Spax and that. It's like a thing. It's like, oh, you're inbred if you're from yeah, there. Yeah, it's because yeah. it's that thing, isn't it? It's like, well, before, up and literally up until about like, you know, what, like the 50s or something like that, cars wouldn't have been common. Mm. So it was very rare to leave town. So you're probably going to end up shacking up with somebody that lives in the same village as you. Yeah. But if you live in somebody's the same village as you, the chances are, if you go back a couple of generations, you might have a shared relative. Mm. So although you're not strictly related, your kid might be born with like, I don't know, at first it might just be like really big ears mm. or I don't know, just do you know what I mean? Like just a bit odd looking, mm. a ridiculously narrow chin. <laughs> and then like after a while, it's straight up like deformity. Yeah. You know? But anyway, we're going to have to leave it there we're on that note. We're going to leave it on the note of like, and after straight a while, up deformity. it's straight up <laughs> deformity. So yeah, thanks um, ladies and gentlemen for joining us today. We hope you've uh, enjoyed all of uh, the topics we talked about today, whether it's been Anton LaVey, the founder of the Church of Satanism, mm. um, the, the, the settlement of Dunwich, Britain's Atlantis. Um, oh yeah, and the, and the tale of um of a uh, centurion titus oh, and his um death what a at the great hands episode. of the picks in the caledonian forest what a great episode well, we hope you think we hope you guys think that too yeah cheers guys see you next week <laughs>